So we're going to look at the uh, third book of the Minor Prophets, the prophet Amos. And we'll start by asking the question, what do we know about Amos? Well, we don't know a lot about Amos, but even from his testimony, which we shared together from chapter 7, we know that he was a shepherd. He was actually a shepherd in a, a small community called Tekoa, which is still there today. It's about 12 miles south of Jerusalem. We also know that whereas Joel was, uh, we considered last Sunday, was a prophet who prophesied in the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, in, in contrast to that, Amos, he prophesied in the northern kingdom of Israel. At a time when Israel, as we know it today, was two separate kingdoms, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And it was like that for some 400 years. And during this period, these two nations both spiraled away from God. It was a time when the spiritual nations, uh, which had been created during King David's time, were slowly and slowly becoming more secular. And that's why God sent in a number of prophets during this time to warn them. To warn them that they need to be God's people in God's land, or else God will sort them out. And particularly sort them out by, by taking them out of the land, by exiling them. The message, quite simply, as we agreed last week, was to shape up or ship out. Shape up as God's people in God's land, or God will ship you out. Well, during the mid-8th century BC, when Amos prophesied, the, the king in the northern kingdom of Israel was a king called Jeroboam II. And he was um, a successful military leader. Uh, He generated lots of wealth, and he generated lots of prosperity. But according to the prophets, he was the worst king ever. He allowed pagan worshipping, and in time this led to injustice, and particularly in people becoming wealthy, um, in contrast to the poor who were getting poorer. In other words, the people were getting wealthy at the expense of the poor and vulnerable of the land. And the book of Amos records the words and acts of Amos who prophesied to Israel uh, at this time, a prophecy which took place around about 755 BC. So what we're looking at is a very ancient text indeed. In fact, the book of Amos is really, to sum it up, is a collection, first of all, of sermons that Amos um, preached during this time. It's also a collection of poems. Uh, Amos was a poet and he, he, he gave a number of poems at this time, wrote a number of poems, spoke a number of poems. They are collected in this book as well. And finally, uh, they are a collection of visions which God gave to Amos. And at a much later date, all these sermons and poems and visions were collected and collated together into this book, which we now called the prophetic book of Amos. But although it's an ancient text, which was put together in order to remind the people what God was saying during this time, 755 BC. It's also a very relevant text for us today, which is why we're calling this series Majoring the Minors, not just because a major happens to be uh, talking about the minor prophets, but more importantly, because there are major themes in the minor prophetical books. One of the helpful things... And one of the major themes in the book of Amos is that Amos actually shares his testimony, which is really unusual, but really helpful. And this is the 
the, the testimony that we read together a little earlier from chapter 7. Amos says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. The, the voice translation says, I was not a professional prophet. So Amos is saying, you know, I was neither a prophet, neither was I the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. I've always loved this straightforward testimony that Amos gives. You know, he sort of puts his hands up and says, look, you know, I'm not a professional prophet. You know, I'm not even the son of a prophet. I've no background in this at all. Listen, I'm a shepherd. You know, I'm a herdsman. You know, I know what a sheep looks like, but I've no idea how to prophesy, uh, particularly in a foreign land. And I just love the way that, you know, Amos is sort of saying that, like one day when I was having my packed lunch, sat under a sycamore tree, God spoke to me and said, Amos, leave your sheep, leave all that you know, get up from the sycamore tree and journey to the land of Israel where I want you to give a very straightforward but powerful, blunt message to those northerners there in Israel. It's a, a most amazing and also weird thing to happen to this humble shepherd from Judah. And it's even more astonishing that Amos actually finished his packed lunch and stood up and left the sycamore tree, and left all that he knew and walked away to the unknown. But God has always called some people to be separated in this way, separate, to be separated from their homes and from their work, to do a very specific ministry for God. Um, in the Salvation Army, we, as part of the Protestant Church, sign up to the belief of the priesthood of all believers. In other words, that we all have access to God. We don't have to go through a priest. And we all have the ability and opportunity to minister for God, to minister to each other, to minister to those outside of the church. You don't have to be a minister or an officer to, to minister, to preach the word of God. We all can be involved in the ministry of the Lord. And there's a sense in which we can, each one of us, have a vocation to serve God in some capacity or another. But there are some who have an Amos kind of calling, an almost audible voice of God saying, get up and go. Go and do this very special ministry. Go and do this much wider ministry for me. I want to leave your work and leave your home. I want you to uproot yourself and to go and get involved in a greater ministry that I have for you. And those who have received such a calling will know how Amos has felt. And Amos, looking back, could simply recall, the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. It was a really interesting uh, before the meeting to meet Paul and, and his wife. Um, I know Paul because when I came to the Salvation Army, I came from a non-Christian uh, background. Uh, I had no upbringing at all in the church and I somehow accidentally started going along to the Salvation Army. And it was uh, Paul's mum and dad who actually took me into the home and gave me Sunday lunch. The best thing you could do to a teenager is give them something to eat. And so I was well fed at uh, Paul's uh, mum and dad's and Paul's grandma and granddad's house as well. And the food was so good, actually, I joined the Salvation Army. And um, 
and the rest was history. But I remember just a few years, bearing in mind, you know, I'd not had any Christian upbringing at all. Uh, I was from a mill town in Oldham. You know, my parents were just ordinary uh, working class people from Lancashire. And I was in that mould. And, and, and one day I went to youth councils and God called me to be an officer. Can you imagine how I felt all those years ago? And sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know, I'm not an officer because I, I, you know, my parents were officers, my grandparents were officers, and I've got this strong, you know, line of salvation all behind me, or even any Christians behind me. And I'm not an officer neither because I thought, actually, I think I can do that job. I'm, I'm going to go to the training college and turn, turn the world upside down. The only reason I'm an officer is because God called me, and I just happened to get up from under my sycamore tree and uh, leave my work, and leave people like Paul behind. And, um, and I came to the training college, and like Dick Whittington, went off to London, to this big city, to, to seek uh, what my future might be. And it's only because I've been obedient to that call in the 40 years since that calling why I'm an officer today. But returning to Amos, the prophet gave his testimony, and his testimony was given to a priest, because whilst Amos was prophesying in that northern kingdom of, of, uh, of Israel, um, this priest told Amos in no uncertain words, get out and go back to the land of Judah. You know, what are you doing here? You're not a prophet. You're not a prophet's son. You've got no, no letters behind your name. You're not even one of us. You're one of the southerners. Go back to the land of Judah. And this came from a priest. Amos was rejected even before he got going as a prophet. But it isn't surprising, is it really, when you think about it, a southerner going up to the northern kingdom and prophesying prophesying against those people. It's a bit like someone from Scotland coming down, standing on the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral and telling the English how to conduct their lives. I think we'd probably tell that Scottish person what to do, wouldn't we, and where to go. But Amos' response to that priest was this. I'm not here because I want to be here. I'm here because God's put me here. I'm here because God sent me. And I'm here because I've simply said yes to God. I got up and went. I want to encourage each one of us this morning to ask God, what is he asking of us this morning? For some... It will be to leave home and to leave a job and to enter full-time ministry. For others, it will be to see their present situation more and more as a vocation. God using you in your workplace, in your place of learning. God using you within this church. God using you within this community or the community in which you live. It could be all manner of things, but God speaking to us and God God, God wanting his will to be done through our lives. I want to encourage you to be in tune with God this morning, to, to listen for his, his voice, and, and to hear his voice, and to, to feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, prompting us to be obedient to his will. I do hope you find uh, the time to read Amos. It's a great book. You can read it in one sitting in a, in a matter of minutes. Um, and there's a lot, really, I could talk about this morning, but I'm um, pleased to say to you, I'm just going to talk about two things in the few minutes that remain this morning. And the first is this, that we need to be upright. Two main themes in the book of Amos is upright 
and just. And I'd like to look at the first of those two words, just now. Um, In chapter 7, God showed Amos a vision of a swarm of locusts and then a raging fire, and both these would, of course, devastate the land. And Amos interceded in prayer, and God listened to Amos and relented. In the third vision that God gave to Amos, Amos is standing by a wall with a plumb line. God is giving Amos the vision of standing by a wall with a plumb line. If you don't know what a plumb line is, there's a, a picture of one there on the screen. And actually, I have one here in person as well. This is another example of a plumb line. And they can still be used uh, today. Uh, just in case you don't know how these are used, you simply hold them up and you can tell whether something is in line, something is true. And of course, you can get the wall, and there's quite a few walls in the, the, the older parts of this building, which uh, it probably won't stand up very straight against the plumb line. It'll be warped, it'll be quite, uh, quite crooked, really. And God is saying to Amos that I got a plumb line and I held it up amongst the people. I held it up in this nation of Israel, of Israel. And in the same way that a builder will put a plumb line up against the wall to check whether the wall is true and straight and plumb, so God puts his plumb line up against Israel. And of course, this is all part of God's judgment upon Israel, that these people are turning away from God, that these people are a crooked people. They're out of line with God's will and covenant. And God sets his plumb line amongst them to show them how out of line that they are with God. If we turn back to the book of Deuteronomy, we find a sermon that Moses preached to the people on Mount Nebo. And in this sermon, Moses compares God to a corrupt nation. These are the words we read. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame, they are warped and they are a crooked generation. And this became true in Amos' day. And this being upright and just was how God was measuring them in his judgment. The Apostle Paul takes this text out of Deuteronomy and presents it to the Christian church at Philippi many centuries later. Paul wants to show them how they should live upright lives against the backdrop of a nation that is warped and crooked and would show up badly if put up against a plumb line. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may, became, you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, and as you hold firmly to the word of life. Where would we stand if the plumb line test was put against us by God? Where would we as a church stand? Would we be seen by God as being upright in his sight or someone who is warped and crooked? And what if God was to put his plumb line up against uh, this body of, of people here as a church? Would we be seen to be in line with God's will? We do have uh, a number of property issues here. We're trying to get many of our physical buildings straight and, and, and fit for purpose here. 
But spiritually speaking, we too need to be upright and true against God's will. One day, Jesus was preaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath. When he met a woman who had been crippled for 18 years, she was bent over, we are told in the Gospels. She could not straighten up at all. And Luke records what happened next. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then Jesus put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. You know, Jesus is in the business of making the crooked straight. Jesus physically took this woman who was bent over and made her straight. But Jesus can do that spiritually in our generation too. This morning, um, a young gentleman approached me in the open air and had a conversation with me. And he came up and he said, I just want to thank you for all that you have done. I thought for a moment he was speaking personally to me, but I realized, you know, I didn't know him, he didn't know me. And he explained that he um, was down on his luck and uh, the Salvation Army helped him. He told me of some of the help that he received. He had no food, no clothes, nothing. And he said, I just want to thank you for everything the Salvation Army gave me and for that Sainsbury's voucher you gave me. And he said, um, I'm still in temporary accommodation. He said, but I'm now off the streets. And he said, I now have a job. Uh, and he said, I do, do feel as though I've got my life back again. And he shook my hand. And this is the important thing. He said, I just praise God for what has happened to me. And I thought there's a spiritual journey happening here as well. A guy who's not just been made physically well, but because of the holistic nature of our ministry to these people, that he's been able to see God in what we've done as well. Well, I invited him, of course, to come and join us here, and he promised me he will. And I pray that that man will continue on that wonderful journey of not being able, just physically being taken off the street, but spiritually being made upright with God too. Jesus is in that business of, of taking you and me. God is doing that work in us each day, isn't he? We're becoming more and more like Jesus. We, we are becoming more and more able to stand for Christ. And each one of us have got a testimony. It was great to hear Scott's testimony on, um, on Friday night at the youth night. Sorry you couldn't all be here. But Scott, who played the bass guitar up here, has only been coming to the Salvation Army for a few months uh, through invitation. It's become part of our family already here. Uh, I guess like me, uh, not coming from a particularly Christian background. Um, and I actually came and joined in music first. And because of that, I learned so much about the Salvation Army. But the important thing is I found God as well. And I've been able to put the Lord into my music as well. But, you know, we're all on a journey. God is, is working in my life as well. He's working in Scott's life. He's working in the life of the gentleman who shook my hand this morning. And... Um, This is the work that God is doing, making us upright and true before him. Let me briefly conclude um, by just looking very, very quickly at this word just. As you would expect, it's related to the word justice. The crooked and pagan worshipping nation of Israel was living in in an unjust way. And it wasn't that there were just wealthy people and poor people, but that the wealth were making their prosperity at the poor's expense. There was injustice, that people were getting richer at the expense of the poor. So Amos points out 
the injustice of the rich oppressing the poor, and also the dishonest judge who ruled against the disadvantaged. And Amos also highlighted bribery and corruption that was rife in the nation. You know, today we are also living in a very unjust nation and a very unjust world. And we as a as Christian people, we as a Salvation Army need to witness into that injustice. And I believe the Salvation Army is doing much in these days to minister and to speak up against the injustices within the societies in which we live. But there is another aspect to this word just too. When someone becomes a Christian and comes into faith, his sins are forgiven and he is justified. You may have heard that term. It's a theological expression. We may not know what it means. Well, it really means how do we stand up with God? How are we made to to stand alongside someone like God? We, We sometimes sing, I want to be like Jesus. But how can we be holy and as pure and as sinless as God? God is just and God is righteous. But mankind, we carry the seed of Adam. We are sinful in our nature. And we are, in many ways, a million miles with God. How can that reconciliation, that, that relationship with God come together? Well, the answer is that God not only forgives our sins, and not only does he sanctify us through his Holy Spirit, but God justifies us. It's as if he puts a plumb line up against us, that we would no longer be crippled in our sin, We would no longer be bent over because of our grief and our sinless state, but that we'll be able to stand tall and strong for God. And then in God's eyes, we will be seen to be upright. And that is because God has justified us through our faith. This is what Paul repeatedly says in words such as this from Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we can be at peace with God and with ourselves because we have been made justified and because we have been made whole. The way I always like to explain the doctrine of justification is like this. When God saves us and forgives us and sanctifies us, he also justifies us to the point that it's justified, never sinned. Isn't that great for us to live a life where it's just as if I'd never sinned at all? So it's a play on words, but justified means justified, never sinned. Isn't it great to feel like that? We don't have to keep living in sin. We don't even have to keep living, regretting the sins of past. But we can live today as if it's justified and never sinned at all. And that's one of the key major messages in Amos, that we can stand up and be counted. And that God will bring justice into this corrupt nation. Here is a, a text for, from Amos itself, chapter 5 and verse 24. Let justice flow like a river and righteousness like an unfailing stream. And we start this meeting by thinking about streams of living water. And Amos is saying, let justice flow like a river throughout this nation of injustice. This was the message in Israel, 755 BC. But it's a message for our times too, and a prayer that we can make, that as Christians we will speak a word into this nation of ours, which is full of so much injustice. It's a simple message that Amos left Judah to bring to Israel. 
And it's a simple message for our day too. And I pray that God will give each one of us all that we need to live up to that standard. That we might be able to live out that simple message that God has so loved the world that he's saved us, he's forgiven us, he's sanctified us and he's justified us to the point where it's justified, never sinned. May the Lord give us that simple message so that we might take that simple message out to others. Amen.